Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. This is Austin Lenny here. We have uh, Michelle Anderson and Patrick Foster. How are y'all doing today? Good, good. How are you? We're doing great. Thank you. Doing great. Guys, before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor, dreamchasers.com. Make sure you check them out over there, Adam Carswell. Guys, we have a real treat with you today. We these this couple combined have flipped over three thousand houses. It's it's uh, insane. I mean, they are just the flippers of the century. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I thought about that right before we got started. <laughs> so so guys, you know, uh, I saw them on Instagram and I was like, gotta have you on. And people are like, why me? Like, why do you want to talk to me? And what you have to understand is people can can touch that. They can grab that. They can they can go, oh, yeah, I can get there. And so I like to get people on now. And then maybe a year from now, we have them on again. And it's like, look what we did in a year. And so um, kind of let y'all like tell me your real estate journey, where you're at now and, and, and kind of your stories. And we'll get going from there. Sure. OK, so I'll go first. I'm a full time structural engineer. And that's what I do nine to five every single day. And then just started doing real estate investing with Patrick because I'll let him get into how he got into it, but he's a real estate agent. And um, we kind of jumped in. I I jumped in with him and really no background and along for the ride. Kind of you hear about some people listening to podcasts for two years and reading a bunch of books before they get started. I read half of a book and... Um, <laughs> I think it was the book on flipping houses I read. I half of it would be kind of generous and <laughs> maybe a quarter of the way and just said, yeah, let's do it. I kind of trusted him. He had a little bit more experience. I said, yeah, we'll um, learn as we go and figure it out. There's no better way to learn than on the job. So we kind of jumped in and started flipping our first two houses at the same time. And so um, I kind of started, I grew up in a family and I grew up working on houses, remodeling houses. I built um, custom homes and then I gravitated into the union. I was a carpenter for a handful of years and I started working for a commercial contractor. I'm going to make this kind of quick, but I uh, worked for a commercial contractor and then I was working, you know, 10, 12 hour days, six days a week. And I was like, you know what, like, why don't I take and put this time into myself? Um, and see what I can make of myself. End up quitting my full-time salary position job, leaving my four-bed, two-bath house that I had renovated and moved to Nashville uh, about two years ago into a two-bath apartment on the third floor. Um, put all my money in one spot and bet on myself. So I got licensed in real estate and I quickly gravitated towards the investor pool when I started working. I think I just spoke that language a little bit better. So I started working with an investor pushing him deals. Um, he would take the deals, flip them on the back end, sell them. So I'd find them, he'd fund them, flip them, and then I would list them. Um, after doing that for about a year and a half of seeing it work, uh, the prices are substantially different here than where I was from. So um, trying to hop in the game with that amount of 
was just, um, it was different. I didn't really know how to do it. After doing it for about a year and a half, um, Michelle and I had talked about doing it. And I was like, I said, I'm pulling the trigger. I want to do this. Ended up hiring a real estate coach um, to go in, get us over that ledge. And um, after reading books and um, having the background knowledge, plus her with her technical experience, her and I just kind of combined, had a um, real estate coach who put a bunch of offers in. Um, lost a lot of offers, which is good because the house we did get for our first one ended up being um, a great flip. And the house that we're actually sitting in now, it's funny, we came to this house to look at it to do a flip. And then as we're talking about what we wanted to do to it, we ended up deciding to keep it for ourselves. So then we found another house right down the road, half mile down the road that we ended up flipping. And we were doing these two houses simultaneously. So we literally went from like zero to 200, if you will, uh, while working full-time jobs. Um, she was working at home because of COVID and I was working here and doing real estate out of my car on a hotspot for a better part of a year. So, so couldn't even be bothered to finish the first book, uh, which I love on so many levels, uh, because this is what I talk about all the time. Here, here's what's interesting. This is a theory. It's not screw that. It's not a theory. I, I've been proven right. Okay, I got 24 year olds that I know that own 180 units, right? Like, like 23 year olds that own that many units, and then you meet 40 and 50 year olds that have been trying to learn for four or five years and they haven't done anything. They haven't bought anything. And what I believe is their lack, their, 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 their long life and the amount of knowledge they have is actually the context that's holding them back. Right. And, and somebody that's newer that doesn't overanalyze everything, which is interesting because you're an engineer. So my business partners are civil engineers. So it's very odd that you would not finish the book. Um, <laughs> trust me, it's it's a, it's a game with them on, on a whole nother level, which I love that part. But but talk about, is it one of those things where, because this is very, this is, this is a thing. You've got a job. It's not that you're upset about the job. It's just that ultimately you want to do something else with your time, right? And so is it's like, okay, great. I might not know everything, but this is a way out. And and I'm gonna, I'm just gonna give it all I got and, and we're gonna learn. And and I truly believe that that's such a better way to to live life than than to have to know everything. Right. And I I guess it comes from I think trust because I trusted him so much and his construction knowledge and his construction background. And then I trusted myself to be able to run numbers and create a spreadsheet for tracking expenses and really honing in on the numbers that um, the areas where I didn't know, you know, you, you know, you hear the phrase, you don't know what you don't know. If I had known everything that could go wrong, I probably would have been a little bit more scared, right? And all, if I had known um, everything that was going to go wrong, we had quite quite a lot of things pop up and speed bumps, it seemed like, every single week. I probably would have been a little bit more hesitant, but you don't know what you don't know. So I, kind of, I trusted him and his construction background and then leaned on myself for the spreadsheet part of it and figured, you know, you might as well. And we kind of jumped right in and our, helped having our coach in our ear telling us, you know, said he, like, this is a good telling, you know, just reaffirming what we thought. This is a good property and this will make a good flip. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a thought out there that's, that I've been sitting with for a while and I love to read. I read a lot and you wonder if the books aren't 
telling you anything new, but more importantly, confirming thoughts and ideas that you already have in your head. Meaning like that's what a coach does. That's what a book does. And so it's like, we have to be careful that we don't lean on that advice too much and, 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 and need it to validate our own self. And so, you know, that's what everybody says. Oh my God, what could go wrong? So let's talk about what went wrong. So we can kind of knock out some of these, these freak out moments that people like think about when they think about taking that leap. Yeah. Well, so there's a, a point I'd like to touch on um, that I can get stuck in. I'm in sales, but also they talk about analysis paralysis. And okay. you can get stuck in that wheel of learning so much, but never take that step where eventually like, you can read a hundred books on flipping and it's just somebody else saying the same thing differently. Um, you're never going to know things you need to know until you get into it. I mean, you can learn all the principles, but for mm-hmm. instance, when we started flipping this house, even our contractor was like, wow, like, if what could have wrong went wrong on this house, like he was even stressed out. He does this. This is his profession, you know, mm-hmm. the flipping of the actual construction of the houses. So um, he was just like, wow, you guys took it in great strides and, and persevered through it. Um, so it was kind of entertaining. We got to a point where he called with some bad news and he laughed and then I laughed and then we laughed. And then we're like, all right, let's just move on. <laughs> it's, it's not a shocker anymore, you know? Yeah. Did y'all make money on the first one? Yeah, a lot more than we actually ran our numbers and plans. Okay, so I want to sit here for a minute because this is the number one thing. Oh my God, stuff's going wrong, but yeah, you made money. So at the time, as you stand here and you sit here today, you're obviously, you were in it. That's totally different. Mm-hmm. What were the big things that come up that kind of freaked you out? That Because I'm about to flip a house that we're literally rebuilding the thing. Mm-hmm. And like, don't get me wrong. Like I'm like, holy bananas balls, but the upside is like amazing. And I have civil engineers working with me. So they're like, oh yeah, it's cool. We'll just do this and that. And I'm like, oh, so easy for y'all. But yet I'm the one running the project. So so let's talk about what, what, what happened. That was like, oh my God, we didn't see that coming. Yeah. So the first thing I think it just permits took a longer time, longer than we suspected, which took a couple of weeks longer to get started. We were held up and then Next thing that happened, um, straight out of the gate, it took two and a half weeks to get the permits that the city required before we could get permits to start construction. Yeah. So straight out of the gate, our our timeline, our schedule was already pushed back two and a half weeks to, for start time. That's that's significant. Is that is was that the city of Nashville, or is that was it was just how it was going to go down? Is there anything you could have done on the front end to help that, or no? No, they it's, it was a right of way for a Nashville sidewalk plan that they're doing, you know, citywide. So anytime you flip a property or build a new property, you either have to give them the rights to X amount of feet off the center of the street, or if you're doing a new build, you have to put in. So it was just doing the logistics of getting that confirmed on paper, which with the city took two and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said, what? we'll sign everything. We'll give you the yeah. way you want. Those are sidewalks, but yeah. we'll just you get could, started working. I'll sign yeah. it. Just yeah. give me the papers. No, we're exactly. We're ready to work. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and then what, what else happens? Next, our... Um, Good little internet issue, guys. So we're going to hope that we get them back here. They're a little frozen. Uh, the joys of doing Zoom. Um, and maybe we'll get them back. You know, guys, I'm going to fill in the blanks here while we're waiting on them to come back in. Um, 
they're going through all of the steps that it took to get their property right. Right. And like, boom, right out of the gate, you have, okay. I was just filling in the blank. You keep going. I was just, I was just talking. To, I, I can fill the space. So, okay. uh, yeah. So you said, yeah, what was, yeah. What was the next thing? Our electrician actually passed away on the day he was supposed to start work. And so obviously unfortunate for his family. And then it set us back. We had us back a few weeks trying to find another electrician that was within the same budget. We were getting the next quotes that we got were ranging from $2,000 to $12,000 for the same job. So we were trying to stay within scope and then stay within budget and try and get someone in there sooner. After that, um, our contractor's trailer got stolen with about $10,000 worth of tools in it. Um, I think a week later, um, some people were over there working. They got robbed at gunpoint. Uh, after what next? We ordered trim, and then I think the week before our trim was well, supposed to get delivered, um, our warehouse burnt down where they stored all of that. So we had to. So the trim's actually a funny one. I'm going to hop on this. So trim. we were back and forth on whether or not we should put all new trim and doors in the house or kind of match piecemeal the trim back together and keep the existing doors. Uh, we bounced around with the idea for three or four days, needing to pull the trigger. We finally pulled the trigger. Our contractor puts in the order and he sends me a text the next day of this massive building on fire. And I said, what's that? He said, that's the warehouse with all of your trim and doors in it. <laughs> so the whole warehouse burned down. Mm-hmm. Um, then comes in and the half the plumbing that was we were only going to replace, um, some of the cast iron ended up cracking. So we ended up having to replace all the plumbing. Oh, so that doubled our plumbing bid. Uh, Concrete comes in, and I think the contractors did this, so watch your numbers on this, but the concrete contractor shot us a low bid, and then materials end up being substantially more. Like They missed, and it hurt I both do construction, just a little bit more concrete than I do, but you, if you're pouring concrete every day, you don't miss an estimate by five yards, five to seven yards, which is, you know, it's about $1,000 worth of materials. Um, so that went through our budget off a little bit. Um, trying to think of what else happened other than getting robbed and and that the house that the house didn't burn down, did it? No, like, I mean, I mean that seems about I mean, as, as I'm sitting here going through these things, I'm like, hmm, is there anything else that could happen? That's why we stopped being surprised by things that come up came up. And in the beginning, I used to get kind of down, just like feeling like I was getting punched, and then I think you said something that their contractor's trailer got stolen. Everything seemed like it was going wrong. And I was like, this sucks. This sucks. And you're like, he's like, why? There's nothing we could do about it. We just have to figure out how to move forward. So that's kind of my mindset now when something goes wrong. I give myself a minute to be like, okay, that sucks. And kind of be angry or upset for just a couple of minutes and then try and shift my mindset to say, okay, what next? How do we fix it? What's the path forward? Just adapt and overcome basically. Yeah. Because the problem's still going to be there. And if you dwell on the problem, you're not going to get anywhere. You just need to find a path forward. So what's the quickest you're, solution to the problem and you find your way out. Yeah. You're exactly your attitude to think that you can control things outside of your scope of control is the reason that you're still in the problem. Right. Like exactly. ultimately either you're a solution based mindset or you're in, and, and, and don't get me wrong. 
this is something I work on every day because I'm a highly emotional person. I, I have a lot of energy that can serve me in some areas, but not in a situation like that. Right. And, and, right. and so you get through all those things you finish. I know this for a fact, cause I flipped a couple, I flipped a house or two. There's a, there's a point I'm dead serious when I say this, cause we flipped a 1910 house. I call it, I call it the, uh, like the, 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 the 12 step program with a fucking house there, there, look, 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 true story. I lived across the street from this house and for six weeks, I didn't walk inside the fucking thing. Cause I was so over it. I was, we had to fire three contractors. We had to replace the front of the house, the kitchen. I mean, it was it, like, it was a fucking nightmare. All right. And long story short, when I found out we had to replace the kitchen now, the subflooring in the kitchen and the joists, which was not on the scope of work, which is a lot of work. I asked my my father-in-law at the time and my ex-wife to go away. I said, go to Lowe's. I chugged a Red Bull. I turned on like Rage Against Machine and I demoed that whole motherfucker in like an hour. And I got I got it out of my system. I got it out of my system, right? But here's what did happen. And I'm sure the same thing happened with you. You get to a point in the investment where the sheetrock starts going on and you and it, it like turns the corner and then like, boom, you're done. And it's like, it's like almost that mountaintop where you have to like get over that hump and then like everything just starts running downhill. Right. Yeah. And when you finally sold it, you got the offer and you sold it and you found out you made money. As you look at it now, you know, what, what would you tell that person before they got started? What would you tell those two people like to, to give advice to people? Um, I would say one of the, I think one of the biggest things we learned was kind of, you have to adapt and things change and you kind of have to roll with it and change with it. Because if we stuck to our original scope and our original budget, we would have had a very different house, but we were kind of, the market was changing. We had the house for, I think, five months. So, you know, today's market's changing quite rapidly. So we were always adjusting and it's trying to hit a moving target. So the target's always moving. So we are always having to adjust our plan and new comps were coming on the market. Houses were going for the street for higher than we were expecting. So we said, well, now let's replace all the trim because we're going to sell this at a higher price. So we're kind of constantly looking at the market and constantly seeing what's going on in the area and what's going on at our house and having to adjust what our original scope was to hit that moving target. Mm-hmm. One of the things I would tell somebody um, in our position, or if it was us at the beginning, like just start, make sure your numbers work, have some confidence with that, find somebody that can help you with the numbers to make sure you're not going to lose your, you know, lose it on the back end, but like start. And two things will go wrong. And then Third, they will go wrong. <laughs> and then number four, it will be okay once they go wrong because it's just, you just got to find a solution to the problem. And then um, five, like enjoy the process because I think her and I learned more in the past six months flipping these two houses than we would have ever learned reading a book. It did benefit us that the market had changed and that we did make money. So we didn't do all this work for nothing, which was a, you know, it was a blessing. But at the same time, if you can go through, and this is how I explained to somebody the other day, if you can go through an entire house, flip a house, you learn the process, you learn all the ins and outs. And let's say you make $10,000 and you don't make a lot of money on your first one. Okay. I spent five years in college and I came out, you know, $80,000 in the hole. 
Yep. Or you could spend six months and come out $10,000 ahead with yep. a boatload of knowledge that you can turn around and use on the next one to be more efficient. I couldn't agree more. I lost $26,000 in a business that we started that was nationwide for Airbnb management. And it was a hard pill to swallow, but I never went to business school. And that opportunity has served me for the rest of my life and my new companies and who I am as a CEO and all those things. And and people need to understand that sometimes the value of what you're getting has nothing to do with the back-end profit. Exactly. Like, I, I truly believe that you should look at your first couple properties as practice. Yes. It's, it's school. And so all those things happen. You made a little money. And then because you're, market, you're, you're, you're scary people, you decide to go after it again. So, you know, did you, did you, so you said you were doing the other one at the same exact, so you're doing two at the same time? Yes. And one of them, like her and I were doing, like I was over here gutting the house, like tearing it apart, um, ripping floors out. I had the whole front of the house missing while we had one going down the road. So it was kind of nice because they were simultaneous and we were learning. Now I come from a construction background, but she'd never done this, you know, level of a reno. So, you know, we're out shopping and walking her through a lot of things and like working together. That was a whole new option. Yeah, I can't wait to dig into that one. Yeah. Plus, plus finding out, you know, with our house, it's not, hey, this looks nice. This is what's trendy now. It's more like a, what do we want? We are going to look at this every single day. How do we want the layout? So just trying to navigate um, through all of that. And this house was supposed to be our first split. And we okay. went under contract and like you mentioned, we started looking at it and I, my eyes lit up and I was like, this is going to look beautiful. We'll tear out the ceiling. We'll vault it. We're going to do a new kitchen, everything. It's a brand new house now. And he looked at me and he goes, we have to decide now if we're going to keep this house. We can't get to the end and decide if we want to keep it. We have to decide now. So that's what we said. Okay, let's, let's do this one for ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And, um, a lot of people would forego that and they would take the profit, but do you, as you're moving along in your life, you know, something I've had, I realized the hard way because I didn't for a while is that, is that it's really important to have that home base and, and maybe the profits aren't as important because the energy, because we spend so much time at home, especially these days and right. the energy to move forward in your business is going to be predicated off of having that routine and home base correct or no oh yeah absolutely yes. yeah we're sure. looking forward to getting out of the apartment and moving here and having a home base and something that we could just kind of like take a deep breath we offloaded that property we moved into this property take a deep breath let the dust settle take everything we've learned reorganize come up with a plan forward and try and move forward in a more systematic efficient way rather than jumping in the water and learning how to swim, which given the situation at the time uh, benefited us, but now we're, we're taking a more strategic approach now that we kind of got that, the first two out of the way. Like if we can get through two of them at the same time, like we've got something going. It's just, let's figure out a, a path forward to make it more efficient, turning it into a business rather than just a um, let's jump in and figure out if we like it hobby. Yeah. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions just because sometimes I gloss over a lot of details and I want to make sure I provide as much value. All right. How did you find the properties? So I would source a lot of the properties I found. I sourced off the MLS, multiple listing service, um, straight out of the gate. 
Now that the market is where it's at, where there's no inventory, you almost have to have off-market properties before anybody knows there's an off-market property. Um, so that's where we're trying to find deals now and trying to find deals now. We just, we had contracts on four properties and people's expectations of prices are just so inflated that you can't make the numbers work without, you know, increasing your risk. And we're just not willing to increase the risk for a small margin. We, you know, we're fine where we're at. So we'd rather wait for one that we know is going to work than cut it too thin and almost lose, you know, potentially lose money. So um to answer your question directly mls first now that the market has shifted we've kind of had to change how we source properties um, and how so, how would one how would one go about sourcing off market properties um find some local wholesale dealers in your area um i've got a couple of people that i've worked with and just talking to people throughout the past couple of years um you can get on like <clears throat> um tailor networks um hop on investment pages like Facebook, um, they'll tell you where, you know, who's doing wholesale deals and wholesalers are always reaching out for buyers and that's where you kind of hop on lists. And then you just eventually your inboxes will start getting flooded with, with deals and then you build relationships. That's the biggest one uh, is I built relationships. So now I have people that trust me and they call me and say, hey, I have this deal. Nobody knows about it. So I kind of get first dibs. And then mm-hmm. after if I decide we want it, if we don't want it, if it can work, if it can't work, uh, we try and either advise them on what to do with the property or we take it and try and help move it for them. Um, there's just a lot of avenues and then throw in some like creative financing. It's You can get one property in and then there's 15 different options of what you can do with it after you have it in possession, but it's finding the deals that... Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll jump in and say specifically, so what we do is we tell everyone that we're flipping houses. So a lot of the off-market deals that he gets are from other agents because he works with a lot of agents that they just want to sell homes that are pretty and up to date. And all the agents that he works with, they all know that he likes the ugly houses that need work. So they usually call him before they list them and say, hey, can you do anything with this? So he kind of built that rep- reputation within his real estate brokerage and then also, we told our lawn guy that was cutting our grass, he, do, he does a lot of work in the neighborhood on other people's houses. We told him, hey, if you know, if you hear of anyone getting ready to sell or list a house that needs work, bring it to uh, let us know and we'll, you know, give you a referral fee. So some, I think a week later, he brought us a house. So <laughs> we didn't end up working out for us, but yeah. you just start talking to people and putting it in people hear that that's what you're looking for and eventually people start bringing you deals something that we did specifically um since we flipped the house that is in our neighborhood of that our personal house right when we were having our open house rather than list it's a crazy market so people you don't really need to do anything special you just need to get it on the market quickly but what we did is we held all offers we listed on thursday held all offers until the next monday and we wrote up a flyer about who we are what we do and a picture of us, and we door knocked our entire neighborhood and introduced ourselves. And half of the people that came through our open house were just neighbors who wanted to meet us. And then at that point, we had an opening and neutral position to say, hey, like, here's our product, here's who we are, here's what we do. And then you get that personal touch rather than being a cold call or just a random person that sends a mailer. Like now the neighborhood knows who we are and what we do. And I think we didn't get anything immediate. But I think down the road, that's going to pay dividends for us. 
Yeah. And I've made it way less. Uh, I've made it way more obvious than that. When I travel, I just wear a shirt that says investor on it. I, <laughs> it's not, I'm not joking. I was in Costa, I was in Costa Rica a week ago and this woman was like, are you an investor? And I was like, damn right. I am. Let's talk about some real estate. <laughs> I got that from my mentor. Like he's like, Oh, I just wear it anytime I'm in an airport. Like it just says investor on it. I'm like, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Don't let the wholesalers have all the fun. So um, how did you finance the, the, the buying the property and the flip? Yeah. We use a private money loan. So hard money or private money? Private money. Private money. And where did you find that uh, lender? Just some connections that we had down here in Nashville. Okay. And they funded uh, the purchase of the house, the the construction, and then y'all refinanced out of that or no? No, we just, and then when we sold that we did it kind of a splitting profits. Oh, okay. Even better. I love that. So kind of like yeah. the, joint, the joint venture. The joint venture. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And did y'all put up money in the deal or no? No, it was all private money. So private money lender who funded it, um, funded the rehab. And then on the back end, we split the profit shares with them and then took our cut out of it. Okay, guys, I'm going to say that really clear for everybody. Do you need, do you need money to buy real estate? No, you don't. That's my favorite question when I talk to a group. Guys, they just flipped that house. They made money. They didn't put any money in the deal. And they got a free education in the process. It's amazing. That is what it's all about. You don't need to wait till tomorrow. You don't need to wait till next week. You can do this. Go add value to somebody, find a deal, do it, and then jump into it and stop waiting around because they don't have any money in the deal. And right before we got on, uh, he mentioned that he just sold his first house hack like eight minutes ago, which is amazing. And so for anybody that doesn't understand how you got into the business, was your house hack? What, what did you do? Like walk us through like that kind of how you looked at that. So I um, recently within the past year, I found the coin, the term house hacking. So I, I'd like to say I was house hacking before house hacking was a thing, but maybe I wasn't, I don't know. Um, so I had just moved back from Oregon. I lived out there for about a year. And when I got back, I was doing construction. We we're building a bridge in Southern Illinois. Um, I literally pulled all my money together to get an FHA I put three and a half percent down on a $51,000 house. Within the first two weeks, I walked in, I plopped a mattress down on the floor and I started painting the house. Two weeks later, I had the entire house painted. I had some, I got on Facebook, found some cheap furniture to put in the house and I moved two of my friends in. Okay. So they're automatically now paying me rent. So now I don't have a mortgage. I'm actually cash flowing two weeks into owning a property. Um, lived like that for about a year and a half, went through a couple different roommates. Turns out living with friends and having them pay you rent is a whole other demon within itself. Um, chasing them down. They think they owe you or you owe them. Um, anyway, so during that process, I started realizing that I didn't really enjoy renting to friends. It was just more of a headache. Um, so then I remodeled the basement, had to jackhammer up around the basement. It had water running in, put a drain tile in, put a whole new, it's basically a studio apartment down there. Um, moved downstairs. It had a separate entrance. And then I turned, I found out about Airbnb, um, turned the upstairs into an Airbnb. So I'd wake up, I'd come home on my lunches and I'd change all the beds, make all the beds and then have new guests come in. Mm -hmm. uh, I did that for about a year and a half. 
Then when I moved to Nashville, I moved a property manager in the basement, let her live there for free while she managed the Airbnb upstairs. That ended up not working out. Um, so then I opened the upstairs and downstairs at the same time and rented both of them out separately. So really I was hitting, and when COVID hit, I think my bookings went up to 198% mm-hmm. on the house, um, some of my biggest margins to date. And um, so I rode that train for years, or I was probably about a year and a half, two years of management. And then the market was hot in a smaller town. So I decided, hey, it's time to get out. Um, so from the start, I didn't have a mortgage because I cash flowed. Um, every investment I put in the house, I ended up making back from Airbnb and my rentals. And then I turned around and sold it six years later, as of eight minutes ago, and um, ended up making a net profit on it. So, um, yeah, it was pretty... I love everything. I love every. I love everything about y'all. This is fucking awesome. Like it, 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 it's like I'm sitting here and I'm going. I'm I'm doing the numbers in my head. Like I'm like, okay, like he lived in that for free. He was making money the whole time. Like they were in that flip for free. Like, have you even put any of your own money in anything? Like, is it just like? I mean, it's awesome. Like this is what it's about, right? And I'm just curious. Like, you know, you're starting to get a taste for it. Like you're, you know, I, I imagine the steam's picking up. Where do you see the next, let's just say the next two, three years of your life? Like, where would you like to get to? What do you see as like something? Because like a lot of people get in these investments and maybe like the long-term plan isn't the flip for the next 20 years, but it's it's good for now because it makes some money. Like what, what's the long-term vision? So you pretty much started out this podcast with the long-term visit, uh, vision, like 30,000 properties flipped multi-million dollar profits. Um. <laughs> no, actually, you know what? It's funny enough. The podcast started a year ago. It's Monday. It's going to be a year date. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Now I have two podcasts. I don't even know what's going on anymore. I just, I just keep hitting record. It's probably the same thing for y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, realistically, we'll probably just keep flipping for now. We've started looking into getting a couple of rentals. Um, Patrick had a few off-market deals last week that we looked at and the numbers just didn't work for us. So we wholesaled them. And those are deals that he got from, you know, like I mentioned, other agents. So wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're now you're wholesaling too? So 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 when I started wait, wait, hold on, hold on. You're making money again without putting any money in. God, this is amazing. All right. Tell me what's up. No, no. Say that again. You cut out for a I second. Said, I said, now you're making money again without putting money in a deal. I mean, this is great. Right. So whenever I was, I started out, I was working with an investor and we were putting five to 10 deals under a contract a week. Right. And half the time he would only take one, maybe two. All right. And then I was like, you know what? I'm putting a lot of work, a lot of negotiation into these deals. So I was like, I need to find a way when a property comes in to have multiple exit strategies with it and exhaust every option so that I feel satisfied that like, Hey, I tried everything for this property and it just couldn't sell at that price or whatever. So I found a way to either he's going to keep it or I can push it out to somebody else, or we're going to keep it, or we're going to keep and hold it, or we're going to flip it, or I'm going to wholesale it out to somebody um, and try and make some kind of money on every deal if possible. 
Yeah, and help people out in the in the in the long term too. Because I've got an agent who just came to me with a couple deals. Um, they wanted to keep it private. They wanted to keep it quiet. They had tenants in place, but she knew that I could probably move them quickly and discreetly. And here it is a week later, and they've sold, and everything was kosher and and quiet. It didn't get put on the market. We didn't have thousands of people running through the houses. Mm-hmm. The tenants were still happy. It kept the relationship. So. It's not always about the money, but the money is a benefit. Like I was able to help an agent get through uh, a situation that they would have never been able to sell the houses in another way at this moment with, you know, with the tenants in place and how the sellers want to deal with it. So um, it was just nice to be able to help her and, you know, benefit on the back end as well. Oh, for sure. Um so you're flipping, that's where you see it for now. Um, is there anything that intrigues you out there in the asset class? Like does, does construction, like new construction intrigue you? Like does, does like multiple Airbnbs, like you played the Airbnb game a little bit, like kind of like, I just curious. Um, so realistically, like we kind of like to dabble in new construction if the opportunity presents itself. Um, right now we're, probably mainly focusing on flipping and then possibly doing the burr method and, and grabbing a couple of rentals and holding on to those. But um, a term I learned a long time ago, it was like slow, 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 you go, 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 fast, 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 you never last. Now, depending on who you are and the capital you have, you can move at different speeds. But um, I think we set like a, a decent goal of like, hey, let's flip two houses and, and pick up two per year. Well, if you do that compounded in the next 10 years, we're going to be sitting pretty, you know, you don't have to hit it and try and do it all at once. Like you can just do a little bit over time and then it compounds and and you get the results from there. So um, to answer your question directly, flipping, um, trying to pick up a couple rentals and possibly new construction. Uh, As far as Airbnb goes, I'm okay not touching Airbnb for a while. That required a lot management on my end for not a lot of return, but it taught me how to run a business and manage people. And I can be in another state and make money while I was sleeping, which I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we did hop into that, it would be um, possibly more of a personal as we had talked about buying, Hey, this is where we would like to vacation at. Let's buy a rental there, Airbnb it or rent it out. And then we have a spot to go vacation at, but I don't, we haven't really talked about it, but I don't see us scaling an Airbnb business. No, for sure. I love that. Yeah, I uh, I get cold sweats when I hear the noise go off from the text. So, yeah, I don't. Uh, that's what happens when you have 27 and seven states. Yeah, it was a, it was it was it was long. It, it sucked. So, guys, if people want to find out more about what you're doing and follow your journey, how would they do that? Because I'm sure you're going to have an HGT show. ABC TV show soon. I know it. So you know, that's everyone's goal. <laughs> um, we're on Instagram at Nash underscore flip. I love it. Well, guys, if you like this episode, make sure you send it out to your friends. We really appreciate y'all for listening. Leave us a review, send it to your friends, and we'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.